0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives.
1: This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill.
2: Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James.
0: And I'm Dr. Brett Hill.
2: So this week uh, we have a bit of a contentious topic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's divided in the paleo world, unfortunately. Um, as usual, we're going to give you our take on the subject, and you can do what you like with the information and, and go off and do your own research. But as you judged by the title of this episode today, we're going to talk about caffeine. And so that will incorporate your coffee, your tea, your Green tea, green tea, energy cow, drinks, energy sodas,
1: drinks. yeah, chocolate. It's in a lot of places, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Dr. Brett, why don't you get us started? I know you love this topic a lot, so can you tell us about the myth about energy and caffeine and how much you get pepped up by
0: coffee <laughs> and morning yeah. cup of joe? I reckon this is a really important one because we've constantly been told that these caffeine sources are giving us energy, whether that's coffee, whether that's energy drinks, whether that's chocolate bars with caffeine in them, like all these things like, oh, it gives oh you energy. Oh my God,
1: I remember eating those. And um, oh, it's just crazy
0: because, <laughs> you know, there's, there's research there that shows that for people who are regularly consuming coffee, that what actually happens is they end up decreasing their energy base, right? So basically, the, the more you constantly regularly consume coffee, the, the lower your energy base gets until you get to the stage where you have to have your coffee just to get back to What would be the energy levels of a quote-unquote normal person who wasn't consuming the coffee? And so there's this idea that we're having the coffee and it's giving us more energy. But in reality, it does, and I should say, first of all, there's no doubt that it does give you more energy in the short term. Um, There's no doubt that it can give you some benefits in terms of mental function in the short term. Um, And there's no doubt that it can give you some benefits in terms of athletic performance in the short term. Um, But what we need to do is take a bit of a, a bigger picture, like step back a little bit and say, well, okay, that's... That's true in the short term, but what if we look at it over the long term of repeated continual exposure? And what that then tends to suggest is that it actually takes away from all of those things, and that once you get into that stage, then you need to have that short-term fix of the coffee just to get back to you know where you would otherwise have been. Is that making sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's that you, you sort of... Prove it to yourself when you have that coffee and feel like you're pepped up. But what you don't realize is that you actually had lower energy than the average person and you needed to have that to bring you back up to a yeah. normal functioning level, right? So I think it's just that recognizing that when you do feel better, it's because, yes, it has given you a boost, but you didn't need that boost in the first place. If you, if you, were, you wouldn't have needed that boost if you weren't having the caffeine.
2: Yeah, and we have the same addictiveness to coffee as you would to sugar and wheat and dairy and all these other things that we know... Can make you feel really good in the short term but you're maybe missing out on our well decreasing your performance and in the long term
0: yeah and i think it's really important here to to talk about that in relation to our modern society because we know that well first of all we know that coffee wasn't paleo like it's not something we were consuming in in primal times and um, but secondly, we know that our modern society is a way over-stressed society. You know, we've spoken about this a lot in other episodes. The difference between you know perhaps those shorter-term stress we used to have in a, in a paleo time versus our modern repetitively stressful, ongoingly stressful lifestyles. And so we know that a lot of people in our society have um, you know too much stress. They have that switched-on adrenal response, that switched-on cortisol response. They've got adrenal fatigue. You know. Uh, you know, these are things that we we think of as being, you know, perhaps, you know, some people have, but in reality, probably most people have. Um, And so, you know, anything extra we're layering on top of that, that's going to further increase that response, it's going to further push us into that stress response, just isn't going to be helpful.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, it's it's I've yet to come across someone who had their very first cup of coffee and enjoyed the taste of it. The same goes for alcohol, right? There's quite a bit of information out there in the internet about um, food palatability and um, the reward system that goes on in your brain when you eat foods. So, like beer and coffee, you can't tell me that they taste pleasant, but what does happen is that your brain goes, ooh... I know that wasn't particularly palatable, but I got something extra out of that. One, I got some energy. And two, I got some neurological impact. Um, And so then your brain will keep telling you to go and have some more and you develop a taste for it as opposed to you having that taste and and I, I guess it fits in with that paleo thing we don't actually have a tongue designed to take that taste on board and enjoy it um but we develop a taste for it as a result of our brain getting that little kickback um and just on that note you know coffee is inherently bitter and mm. so what do we do we add some sugar to it mm. i don't know many people that don't have sugar in their coffee i know my husband is still drinking coffee but he's at least taking the sugar out or milk or milk that's right and so you get your lactose and galactose which are both forms of sugar from your milk as well so um you're just adding to that craving cycle
0: yeah and i think that's a classic because i talk to people a lot who say oh yeah but i love coffee like i love it i can't give up because i just love it and i say well why don't you have your coffee without any milk and sugar? And they're like, oh, no, I can't do that. It tastes gross. <laughs> or, hang on, do you actually love coffee or not? Because if you loved coffee, you'd be happy drinking it without those other things. So maybe what you actually love is the way that causes the reaction in your body.
2: Yeah, not to mention that what else you eat it with. So we're trained to eat it with, you know, your morning snack, you know, which is maybe a donut, maybe a scone or a muffin or...
0: Yeah, Yeah. And and that links in with that stress response we're talking about, right? Because we know that when that stress response is switched on in your body, when you switch on the adrenals, then you do start cravings, right? So if you're trying to do the paleo diet and you're trying to make these changes and take these perhaps sugars and wheats and other things out of your body then caffeine is like your worst enemy. Well, not your worst enemy, but it's, it's not helping you, right? Because it's switching on that stress response. It's switching on those cravings, and it's making it harder for yourself to to not have those other things that are going to set you back even further.
2: Yeah, and um, <clears throat> sorry, caffeine is also an appetite suppressant as well. So imagine you're getting these cravings for the unhealthy stuff, but you're not hungry enough to eat real meals either. in in an extreme example so not only are you craving all this bad stuff but then you're lacking all the nutrition from the good stuff
1: yeah and I think you know it it, especially in you know if you work in the city and you're drinking coffee I, I um went into the city yesterday to go and pick up a a gift. And um, I had to pay for parking but I didn't have change. So I went up to the local coffee shop to get some change and they had this, you know, beautiful glass cabinet full of croissants and muffins <laughs> and brioche yeah. and all that sort of crap. And I just thought, you know, if you're still drinking coffee and you're happening to face that stuff whilst you're ordering mm. your coffee, just makes it so much harder you know it's uh, speaking from someone who's tried to give that stuff up i've found that you just you know if it's not in your face it's much much easier to get over isn't it
0: and and speaking of all those sort of gluten containing products you know we have heard from you know people like norica gaudis and i know cindy amira's mentioned this as well that that coffee can actually be a gluten cross-reactor as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those people who doesn't react well to gluten, and I know Nora is definitely one of these people from speaking to her on the weekend, that, that she has cross-reactions with all sorts of other foods, and coffee is definitely one of them, not to mention the milk and the sugar, and you know, although they're all causing a cross-reactivity there.
1: So the cross-reactivity, is that because the caffeine molecule is similar um, or car- carries a similar cascade to what gluten does down the track. Is that what it? I'm actually
0: is? not 100 percent sure with the caffeine. I know that's how it works with some of the other grains and the, the dairy that are gluten cross reactors. So I imagine that it's probably the same thing with the caffeine. But is, and
1: it's I don't think it's caffeine. I think it's coffee. So coffee, sure. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and that's an important distinction to make, as we say in this know, caffeine, situation. Yeah, <laughs> most of the things a we're a talking things. about. Yeah, yeah, most of
2: the things we're talking about are caffeine, but that one specifically, I believe, is the coffee. C- the coffee mimics um, the I think it's the molecular structure of gluten. But I kind of have a funny story that I wanted to share. Okay. Um, so I was talking to Ryan the other day, and he was in a multi-day training course on site at work. And um, we all know the workplace. You got your, <laughs> you know, you get there for breakfast and you have your coffee, and then you know, mid-morning you have your your break here, they call it morning tea. Um, what do they it and, in Canada? I don't know, but you don't have four teas in a day. <laughs> so, anyway. morning tea, afternoon tea, dinner is called tea. But anyways, that's confusing for a Canadian. But anyways, so he's at morning tea and, you know, everyone is just like itching and the instructor's going like a little bit over time and everyone's like tapping their foot and I'm making jittery motions right now. We can and, adjust um, to that. And, you know, so then he's like, okay, it's time to break. Everyone bolts out of the room and, like, goes to have their coffee or their cigarette or whatever. Ryan, my partner who doesn't drink caffeine or, you know, eat any of these morning tea meals and whatever, went back to his room and did some push-ups. So, (laughs) you know, that just goes to show. So I, I kind of wanted to lead into maybe other energy sources because... For him, that was how, you know, the afternoon when everyone's getting really drowsy, that was a huge pick-me-up for him. And he wasn't relying on those, like, um, maybe artificial sources of energy, if that's a good word. Yeah, or yeah. Un-
1: unhelpful. Yeah,
2: yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, that is a large part of the problem is, is to why we're all sort of, you know, they, they are rushing towards the caffeine, is that they're not looking after themselves perhaps in those other aspects. And I think, you know, one of the most important parts of that is just simply sleep you know, we, we live in a society where, you know, most people probably are, are depriving themselves of sufficient sleep. Like we, we're just not getting enough rest, we're not getting enough sleep. And so we are in that stress response way too much. Uh, and we're burning ourselves out. And which is why we're then needing something like coffee, once again, just to get us up to just a functional level a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, but it's a vicious, <clears throat> it's a vicious circle as well, because yeah. we all know that caffeine makes you not sleep as well. Yana, you talk about the the liver detoxification at is it yeah 3 a.m 3, 3 a.m yeah, when the
1: liver's switching on and really working hard yeah yeah so you know that you
2: know if you're if you're having that caffeine it's often that you'll get up at three in the morning get, and alcohol and other things as well but that's when your your liver's detoxifying and causing you to to wake
1: up yeah if the liver's struggling yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, one of the other things that's actually great in terms of energy is exercise. And people are like kind of looking at me right now, going, hang on a second, I've woken up in the morning, I'm dead tired, I need my coffee. Exercise is just gonna make me more tired. Like, what are you, stupid? But <laughs> I, I know, I know, I've heard it before, trust me. Uh, but it does make a difference. You know, if you can actually. Get up in the morning and do some exercise. As much as it seems counterintuitive, if you're still thinking of the world as like this energy in, energy out, simplistic sort of view, it seems counterintuitive. But once you start understanding how these processes work in your body, how it affects your hormones, how it helps you switch off the stress response, and once you start, do you know what? Even if you don't believe any of that stuff, just give it a go and see what happens. And what you find is, by getting up and doing that little bit of exercise, it actually gives you more energy throughout the day.
2: Yeah, I can attest to that. Um, we do fitness on Saturday mornings here, and I don't always make it to that class, but the, I go on the days where I need to be really productive. So <laughs> I start my day at nine o'clock in the morning. This happened to me last time we went. Um, I did fitness. You know, you're you're feeling good after, and I worked my butt off until. I think it was about three o'clock I said holy cow I'm exhausted and then I kind of looked at what I had done that day and I'm like oh my gosh like I never would have gotten that done in a normal day just like it just makes you hyper productive
1: yeah
0: nice and I think you know the other thing obviously we want to talk about here is what foods you're eating obviously we've spoken about this a lot in the other episodes but you know the key here is that you know, very often the foods we're eating are also, you know, if we keep thinking of it in terms of this short-term energy. So we, if we're eating the foods and drinking the drinks and having the coffee that gives us this short-term energy, then we're setting ourselves up for this cycle of spikes and crashes in energy. means we have to sort of keep going back to that well. I mean, you know, Nora talks about this brilliantly when she just, she talked about this on the weekend again at the Mind Forum where she talks about, you know, stoking your fire with kindling versus stoking your fire with logs. Um, and you know, coffee and, and these snacks kind of fit into that. So you know, if you want to give yourself more energy and feel like you don't need to be having that coffee all the time, then you need to start thinking about giving your body more sustainable types of fuel. You know, Proteins, particularly fats, are going to give you that slower burn, longer lasting energy. That means that, sure, it might not give you the massive spike right now, but it's not going to give you the massive crash afterwards either. You're going to be able to sustain those energy levels for a much longer period of time and not feel like you have to keep going back to the well for the sugary snacks and the coffees and the carbs.
2: Yeah. And and on that note, it's important to look at, again, like, so if it's maybe not for energy reasons, why are you having coffee? So are you having coffee because it's a social thing to do? Or are you having coffee because you think that you need it? Are you having coffee just because you're addicted? I know when I started university, everyone said, oh, you will not make it through university without being addicted mm-hmm. to coffee. And... I was not a rebel most of the time, but in that situation, I was like, well, screw that. I'm never touching coffee. So I actually (laughs) did not touch coffee for the four years that I was in university and, you know, made it out just fine. I wasn't paleo then, but, um, I think I set myself up for a lot better situation because now I see so many people in the workplace. And then when I moved to a corporate workplace, I wasn't needing the coffee and stuff. And, and it's just that addictive, um, necessity almost. Yeah, and
0: I found the same thing when I was at uni, particularly around exam time, because you know, everyone gets to exam time and they think, right, okay so the night before the exam I'm going to stay up all night not get enough sleep Mm. and then get up in the morning and just slam like three cups of coffee to get me going for the morning right and I've got to admit I wasn't the world's best studier at uni like I was a bit slack sometimes but (laughs) I was always diligent at the things I was interested in and paleo sort of stuff I'd always be like happy to learn about that but a couple of the other subjects I was like yeah this isn't floating my boat anyway that's an aside but having said that even though I wasn't the world's best studier I tended to do pretty well at the exams and people would be like oh how does this work like I know I sat up like longer than you studying last night. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't get enough sleep. You drank too much coffee you are stressed and wired out of your brains coming into this exam. You've got this adrenal response going on, which we know decreases your short-term memory. Like You're not doing yourself any favors in terms of doing well in this exam, but you look around and like 99 people out of 100 are doing the exact same thing. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, I definitely found that at uni. I would be like, okay, no matter what, the night before an exam, I'm getting to bed on time, I have a good sleep, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm not going to drink coffee... And I know that made a difference in terms of how I went in the exam time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I know this is completely off topic, Mm -hmm. but that's something I learned off my brother and I'm so grateful um, because he studied so hard through high school and through uni Um, and I was lucky and I sort of just cruised in, but he um, said to me, you know, the day before your exam, do not study after five o'clock in the afternoon. If you don't know it, then there's no point mm-hmm. in trying to learn it. You're just going to stress yourself out. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to forget the things that you do know. Yeah. So just just don't go there. Which is, you know, I don't know if there's any Year 12 students out there listening to this. I hope I so. There are. Yeah, that'd, that'd be kind be awesome. of cool. So that was that was always a good one. Another thing that I think a lot of people drink coffee for is the comfort factor. I know mm-hmm. I do it, and you know, um, with hot drinks as well. There's something just really quite nurturing and soothing about that. But when you look at the after effects of what caffeine's doing there's so many different options that you could go for and we're all having a nice cup i think i'm having lemongrass tea i don't know what you guys have got there some nice herbal teas as well it's always a really good um substitute doesn't taste the same i will admit but uh, it gives you that same sort of nurturing yeah
2: well going back to ryan like that was for sure his thing his family i've talked about um pizza and a movie night being a also, the tea was a really social thing for him and his mm. family. And um, I, I mean, I had that a little bit, but definitely not ingrained in me like he did. And and he actually found he was able to get the same comfort level out of having um, roibos tea, which mm. has no caffeine, provided he still put the milk in it. <laughs> so he was actually kind of a little science experiment. He found out it really was actually the milk in the tea that he was... Um, was actually craving and mm. having the trouble with so that's his next step but the first step was um was caffeine
0: yeah, yeah. and i think that's a good point because i think you can do this you know you can transition through this i know i certainly did you know for me it was probably started when i was about like 20 21 and i used to drink heaps of coffee with sugar with milk in it i used to actually take guarana tablets when i went out at night like we'd go out and we'd take guarana tablets for energy oh and God. just like go crazy on the dance floor and all those sort of things but that was just what we did because we just didn't sleep enough. We partied too hard and we, that was our kind of way of coping and getting through. So for me, this has been like a, a transition over a period of time to go from, okay, I, for me it was I went from drinking, okay, coffee with milk and sugar to then just drinking just coffee. So I took out the milk and sugar. That was kind of my first step. And then I realized that actually this isn't actually that much fun anyway. I don't actually like coffee when I drink it like (laughs) this. So then I sort of transitioned through to black tea and was doing that. And I never had my tea with milk or sugar anyway, so that was easy. And then started transitioning from there through to green tea. Um... One thing I just want to point out there, transitioning from black tea to green tea, is a lot of people assume that... Well, a lot of people actually think green tea doesn't have any caffeine at all, which surprises me that people still think that, but that's not true. Um, and a lot of people think that green tea actually has a lot less caffeine than black tea, which is sometimes true, but some green teas actually have more caffeine than black tea as well. So don't necessarily think because you're going from black tea to green tea, you're getting less caffeine. You're probably getting more antioxidants and other things there, but in terms of the caffeine, you're still getting a fair bit there. So I transition then into the green tea, and I'm probably still in the process of transitioning from the green tea to the herbal tea. I drink mostly herbal teas now and a little bit of green tea every now and then.
2: So you mentioned antioxidants there, Brett. And I know that's one argument that we hear all the time with um, cacao like chocolate and <laughs> uh, green tea and even coffee, coffee. as well. Yeah. And and I guess what we're thinking is that you can get these antioxidants um, elsewhere yeah. from yeah. vegetables, for example. So it's it's not a reason to start drinking put it that way
0: (laughs) well i think that's the thing we spoke about this when we talked about alcohol as well Is the idea that just because it's got one good thing in it doesn't mean the whole lot is good for you and particularly not in this case because if you can get those antioxidants elsewhere then you're not getting any additional benefit by having more antioxidants than you need if that makes sense if you've got enough antioxidants in your diet you're already getting that benefit and then you're just kind of left with the other adverse effects that we spoke about so it's whilst antioxidants are good, um, it's about looking at the whole food. You know, And so often we do this research and we look at just one aspect of what's in that food and then extrapolate that to say the whole food's good for you. And we do that with coffee, we do that with alcohol, we do that with a whole range of other things. But you've got to look at the bigger picture and see what's going on.
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you were talking about having guarana tablets when you're younger oh. and... I realised just recently that when I was in high school, probably around the age of 14, 15, I was having energy drinks. I wasn't having them every day, but I was a drama student and whenever we did performances, I had it timed perfectly. I'd have... A bottle of a big bottle of V um, at four o'clock, then at six thirty, and then at seven thirty when I went on stage. Mm. So I was having like three in the afternoon. Don't know how much sugar is in that. Really freaks me out. But I've got quite a complex hormonal thing, and I have to think. You know, maybe there was some disruption going on with it from that early on. And you know, so many parents don't let their kids drink coffee because they know it's bad, but I can't tell you how many kids were drinking these energy Mm. drinks and much, much younger. And so I think from a parent's perspective, it's something to be really cautious of, um, that your kids might be getting caffeine and sugar in that way. And that's really harmful and really quite dangerous.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the research is definitely there. Like in terms of developing brains, this is just not a good thing to do, to be sending into that stress response. And, And really, I think those energy drinks, you should just be avoiding those... All together, yeah, particularly completely. for kids. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. And
2: soft drinks as well. Yeah. They, they yeah. obviously have caffeine in them and, oh, so much other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yep, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of other things that I just wanted to touch on in terms of the effects of coffee that we, we just sort of didn't get to earlier. Um, and one of those is the acidity factor. You know, we've spoken about this in terms of other foods as well, particularly our modern processed diets, how acidic they are. Um, and that's really important you know, in terms of the, res- the effect that has on your body. Um, you know, we know our diets are already acidic, so you know, just lumping coffee in on top of this is going to make that even more so. Um, and the effect that has then in terms of your body needing to neutralize that acid, it takes out magnesium from your muscles, it takes out calcium from your bones, um, so Uh, And and this is the case um, even for the decaf coffee as well. We spoke about this earlier. But, you know, people think that, well, if I go for decaf coffee, then I'm not getting all the bad effects of the caffeine. But there's still a whole lot of other stuff going on there with the decaf coffee. And one of them is that acidity factor. And we know calcium is obviously so important for bone density. We know that magnesium is important for relaxing your muscles, including those muscles around your heart and your blood vessels, which is really important. Um, so it's really important to think about that acidity factor, um, and that links in with the heartburn as well. You know, we're seeing so many people with heartburn in our society now, so many people taking these antacid tablets to try and get it under control. Um, and, and they're having a huge effect on um, you know, on people's ability to digest as well. So you know, it's, the flow on effects from that acidity, that heartburn, that digestion can affect you know, a huge range of things.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, And, and my biggest experience with caffeine is just the dehydration, like the diuretic uh, that it is, because I know as soon as I have anything, it could be green tea, coffee, you know, anything like that. Um, I haven't noticed it with chocolate, but I might be in denial. Um, So actually, I just probably don't have enough, enough of the chocolate, but, but with the dehydration, um, I know as soon as I have that, I'll have to go to the bathroom probably 10 times before it's out of my system and to me that's just really really inconvenient. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's and 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 you know what most of the population we've maybe mentioned this before most of the population is chronically dehydrated. Yeah. So you know when you look at it and you're having like you know one glass of water a day if that but you're loading up on all this caffeine i mean you're really just making the situation worse for yourself yeah definitely
0: yeah absolutely and you know there is some research out there i know he's speaking to damon christoph from the wellness guys about this and he was suggesting you know that coffee doesn't actually have a diuretic effect or if it does it's a very very mild diuretic effect so you shouldn't worry about that bit. You know, I think that might be just Damien not wanting to give up his coffee. I don't know. I'm not staring up about that for sure. Sure, so, We know
1: we won't listen to this podcast. That's right. That's right.
0: we say that. But, you know, it's certainly my experience is exactly the same as yours, Steph. Like, I know if I have a cup of tea or if I have a coffee, which, you know, I might do that like once or twice a year, um, that I'm like sitting on the bathroom. like I'm just going taking a pee every five minutes. It's ridiculous. And um, and so it definitely has that effect on me basically everyone else I've spoken to seems to find that effect. Yeah. So, you know, there seems to be research suggesting that maybe it's not as much of a direct as we think, but, you know, personal experience and the experience of everyone I've met seems to suggest otherwise.
1: Yeah. I don't know we've, we've already sort of touched on decaf a bit there but you know from a from a paleo perspective no coffee's not paleo but
0: mm-hmm. you
1: cannot convince anyone that decaf is more paleo than mm-hmm. coffee because no. the processing required for that is just unbelievable the number of chemicals and well it's not necessarily that you know once they've done the process of getting the caffeine now that they're able to eliminate those chemicals from the coffee um or from the, the decaf coffee now either um In terms of... uh, Oh, and and it just, when when you decaffeinate it, you strip away the antioxidants
2: as well. That's right. In coffees. I don't know specifically about tea, but... Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then there's all those other things that you're leaving behind. So, like I said, you're still getting the acidity. You're still getting those other adverse effects. So, you know, people think that the decaf is going to be the healthier way to go, and it's not necessarily... The other thing I think is that if you're if you've conditioned your body to that coffee, and you know this is probably one of those things I don't know that I've necessarily got any research to back this up. This is purely a theory I'm chucking out there, but. But what I tend to find is that people will do that decaf, and it tends to stimulate the same response in their body. It's like their body's got this kind of Pavlov's dog response, and I think the same thing happens with artificial sweeteners too. Where your body tastes that sensation that it's used to, it's got a very clear response of how it's used to responding to coffee or to sugar in in either instance. And a lot of the time it seems to switch on, and there is some research tend to suggest this, particularly with the... The sugars, mm-hmm. it tends to switch on that same response in the body anyway. And so we are seeing some research in terms of that with the decaf coffee, in terms of it still creating that same insulin response within the body. Um, and I have a feeling that if we start looking at the adrenal response and the cortisol response, that, that might actually be the same situation as well. So I think it's the case, like I said, kind of like Pavlov's dog, where your body recognizes that taste, goes, oh, yeah, I know how to react to this, and just goes on the same path anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Also, we did touch on it being an appetite suppressant, and I'm sort of going to combine the acidity stuff with the appetite suppressant stuff because what it does is it actually slows down your gut motility. It slows down the processing of food through your gut. So if you're already struggling with constipation, then you're going to be in even more trouble with this. And, uh, you know, it... it, it, um, it because of the acidity stuff it strips magnesium from your muscles so you might get muscle cramps skeletal muscle cramps but it also strips it from smooth muscle which i know we talked about in an earlier episode but we're talking about you know blood vessels and gut lining and organs in general having a decreased muscle function which is not a good thing
0: yeah and you know this is once again definitely one of those short-term versus long-term things because yeah. i do know people who tell me and i've got a friend who tells me this and he'll know who i'm talking about when i say it but who has to have a couple. Of coffee first thing on getting up in the morning so that he can go to the bathroom yes like because in the short term that does stimulate him to you know relieve it's his in gout. those first
1: 20 minutes i think and then there's a switch but over. then there's a
0: switch over and so it's the same as the energy you're, you're getting that benefit short term but in the long term you're making it worse for yourself and yeah. so it's that that short-term gain for a long-term pain which yeah. is just the complete wrong way to do it
1: yeah
2: absolutely so maybe let's talk about um the alternatives to caffeine so I think it's funny that so many people talk about you know they can't go paleo because they want to give they can't give up their breakfast cereal and that there's no variety in paleo. But then you look at their breakfast cereal and there was no variety there at all. And, <laughs> the same and, thing and, every morning. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of look at that. The same way with coffee and tea. Like Absolutely. you're eating the same thing and we've tried to add all these varieties to our coffee. Like now you get caramel and strawberry, like all these <laughs> disgusting things in your coffee. <laughs> Tell it like um, it is, stiff. a lot Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I do. But, um, <laughs> but you know, you can get all of these... Oh, all you have to do is go to uh, uh, Tim Hortons in Canada. Everyone will know what I'm talking about there, and see that they're like vats of disgusting, like artificial, artificial syrups. syrup goo that they put into the coffee, and it that uh, just turn you off for life. Um, and let alone the iced coffees. I don't even want to huh? go there, guys. Like iced coffee, just don't do it ever. <laughs> um, but but my point is that there's no real variety in these things. But once you actually give up the the coffee and the tea, you've got to like million different varieties of herbal tea. And yes, I do get sick of certain herbal teas, but you know, then I just try a new one and it's all yeah. delicious.
0: I tell you what, I've got to warn you, you've got to be careful, like, bagging iced coffee in I know. South Australia, because, like, South Australians love their iced coffee and it's kind of gross, but they just drink, like, litres of it, some of them, it's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right, that's exactly my experience as well, is I found that instead of feeling like, and once again, it's that thing that people say, oh, but you're denying yourself, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're holding yourself back, you're not allowing yourself to have fun or whatever. But in reality, it's like, well, actually, no, I've just created a heap more choices. You know, I've got like buckets of different herbal teas I can have, depending on how I feel, depending on what mood I'm in, depending on what I want to do that day. You know, you can, you've got all these different choices, which I think is actually a whole lot more fun.
2: And when you pay $8 or more or whatever for a for a box of tea, yeah. then you feel like you're drinking
1: luxury. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, there definitely is variety. I know Luke could... Uh, attest a to the fact that every time we go through our kitchen to throw stuff out he's like seriously do you need two shelves of tea <laughs> yes yes i do <laughs> leave me alone i like my tea varieties <laughs>
2: but we've talked about the other sources of energy not just in this podcast but the other ones as well so of course once you break that vicious cycle of of caffeine then you're you will sleep better which will of course give you more energy we've talked about fats in our other episodes probably every single episode we talk about fats but that's another really dense source of energy that will help you get through your day um exercise
0: yeah and i reckon at some stage in the future we might do an interview with dave Asprey. i reckon because he's got a kind of interesting take on coffee and combining coffee with fats which is like a whole other story again yeah and so uh, we might have to talk to him at some stage in the future and, and go through that whole thing as well
2: But, you know, when you do give up caffeine, you will have withdrawal symptoms, like we've said in the other situations as well. It's probably not the best idea to give it up cold turkey or else you're going to have massive headaches. Um, It might not lead to long-term results. So, I mean, I personally would suggest, you know, cutting back um, a cup a day or something like that until you're down and, and you can eliminate it more Long term. So one bite
0: at a time, you reckon, sir?
2: I think maybe. maybe <laughs> is <laughs> that in your book, Brett? Right? Yeah, it is in my book. Happiness <laughs> in your book. Yeah. So, yeah. um...
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm having, because uh, I do love coffee, Um, but I'm, yeah, about one every fortnight, and I've had the gamut of responses to that, of, you know, oh my gosh, how can you survive with having it only once a fortnight, to really, you drink that much coffee? Um, So it, it is definitely something that I've been working my way into giving up, and, you know, if it was easy, I wouldn't be having it at all. So we're not suggesting that it's going to be simple, <laughs> just like all of the other lifestyle changes you make with paleo. And I remember the last time, the last time you had coffee, you didn't sleep that
2: night, so. Well, (laughs)
0: yeah and it's the same for me I probably have coffee like once or twice a year and it's usually when I get myself into a situation where I'm desperate like I've completely burnt the candle at both ends way too much I haven't had enough sleep and then I need to go and do like I need to be up and about for like a radio interview or a seminar (laughs) or you know whatever it is and I'm like okay and I know what I'm doing. Like, I know that it's going to have these effects on my body. I know that it's going to make me more tired. Like, it's going to exacerbate this tiredness that I've got. But I'll do it, like, once or twice a year because I'll say, okay, I just need to get through this. And then, like, tomorrow I'm just going to sleep all day, you know, <laughs> trying to recover. And I get all of those things. I get sweaty. I get jittery. I get I stumble my speech. I'm like, you know, it's just... And, we, can,
2: we can attest to and, that. And the
0: next day I'm just, like... Dog tied. Like it it really makes you realize how much coffee actually is a drug.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So like I said in the beginning of the episode, like everyone's gonna listen to this. A lot of you are probably gonna be offended by (laughs) what I said or what we said, you know, and and that's just I guess kind of the nature of this show is we're gonna do some research, we're gonna find out about these subjects, we're gonna tell you what we find out and unfortunately even if we don't agree with you we just we just like to share that information yeah and that's
0: our job you know our job is to be honest and tell you what we think and tell you what we found and then you do with it with that whatever you like like it's completely up to you and there's absolutely no judgment there from us
2: yeah awesome so until next week check us out on facebook share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide this has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on
0: Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys here. Imagine having six internationally renowned health and well-being specialists all to yourself for three whole days. Imagine a beautiful tropical location away from the rat race where you can fully immerse yourself in creating a new you. Imagine personalised one-on-one attention to help you break through to the next level. Join the three Up for a Chat girls, Kim Morrison, Cindy Amira and Karen Smith and the three wellness guys, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and myself for the BFO Wellness Retreat at the luxurious Western Resort and Spa in Fiji and make your health a priority. For more information, go to thewellnesscouch.com and click on shop. We can't wait to see you there.